I'm Lucy Marcus, and welcome to Navigating the Vortex. Today's On Our Radar looks at the golden thread that runs through the constantly shifting kaleidoscope of news and events of this week. As we felt ourselves getting sucked into all of the drama, we pulled ourselves back to look at returning to the fundamentals of sound and responsible policymaking to restore economic growth, security, and stability in a world facing multiple crises. First, a quick catch-up. We just passed the two-month anniversary of Navigating the Vortex, and we are blown away and grateful for your enthusiasm, feedback, suggestions, and commitment. If you get our newsletter, then you know that we posted several articles this week, including a piece on Kosovo and the escalating conflict there, an analysis of the latest in the war against Ukraine, including the drone attacks on Moscow and the Russian destruction of the Novokokovka Dam, and a roundup on the latest summitry and what is needed to move beyond talk to bringing things to fruition. Stefan was in Kazakhstan, and I'll be talking with him about that on the next episode of the podcast coming later in the week. So... To today's topic, every time we started drafting our thoughts, something new, huge, and diverting would happen. There is a lot to say about all those things, but fundamentally, navigating the vortex is about being in the midst of all that strum and drang and being able to think clearly about what it means and what we do about it. Essentially, today's episode is brought to you by Rudyard Kipling's poem on stoicism and resilience in the face of adversity, If... You know, the one that begins, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. It is about navigating the vortex with a sense of true north and keeping our eyes glued on what we need to do to shift the trajectory. So, on to On Our Radar. Keeping an eye on the fundamentals. Two reports out this week, the World Bank's Global Economic Prospects and the OECD's Global Economic Outlook, paint a picture of slow growth and incremental recovery threatened by persisting economic, political, and environmental risks. Both reports emphasize the importance of sound macroeconomic policy, including addressing inflation, responsible debt management, and structural policy reforms that enhance productivity and can sustain longer-term growth. What it's about. The prospects of global economic growth remain bleak, Both the World Bank and the OECD project very moderate growth across all regions for 2023 and 2024. The projections are not identical in the last detail of every percentage point, but the underlying message is clear. Growth is, at best, fragile, and risk remains significant. Above all, whatever economic growth might be possible is unlikely to be sufficient to create the fiscal space for governments to address a vast number of socioeconomic, political, and environmental challenges by simply throwing money at these problems. Instead, the World Bank and the OECD both point out the need to return to the fundamentals of macroeconomic policymaking. That is, to move away from a permanent crisis mode that responds to whatever appears as the most pressing issue of the day and ensure that foundations are rebuilt that will enable sustainable long-term growth. The growth required to deal with the challenges that lie ahead is substantial. Populations are growing globally, but unequally. Climate change requires a transition to net zero and much greener economies than we have today. Workforces need to become more diverse and inclusive and will need a whole range of new skills. Why it matters. 
This is not the first time that key economic and financial institutions have pointed out that the underlying drivers of economic growth are weak and that the prospects for achieving levels of sustainable growth that would be sufficient to deal with challenges as diverse as climate change, sovereign debt crisis, and demographic changes are mixed at best. Is global growth doomed was a question that we discussed some two months ago in On Our Radar on the 5th of April. The problems are deep-seated, the consequences of not addressing them will be negative and long-lasting, and the solutions, while in many ways obvious, difficult to achieve at a time of geoeconomic and geopolitical fragmentation. In this sense, the World Bank's Global Economic Prospects and the OECD's Global Economic Outlook reports don't tell us anything new per se. They identify similar underlying trends, inflationary pressures, the risk of global trade from decoupling and de-risking, etc. Both note the lasting impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of the unsustainable loosening of fiscal policies. Both point to Russia's aggression against Ukraine as an exacerbating factor. Counter to the perennial call for everyone to think outside the box to find solutions, what is important is the emphasis on essentially getting back in the box that a permanent crisis mode of economic policymaking can all too easily become a self-fulfilling prophecy by making the crisis itself permanent. For that reason alone, both reports are important, and their advice needs to be heeded by policymakers around the world. Our take. Resilience is at the top, front, and center of a seemingly never-ending series of global summits, as we covered in On Our Radar pieces on the 22nd of May and the 5th of June. Moving on from Ukraine, China-West relations between Jian and Hiroshima, and symmetry continued, the EU and Central Asia, BRICS and Friends, and the European political community. And if any further proof of the focus on resilience was needed, the OECD's 2023 Ministerial Council meeting, which endorsed the Global Economic Outlook report, was imaginatively titled, Securing a Resilient Future, Shared Values, and Global Partnerships. Its key issues paper identified Ukraine, trade, energy, and innovative technologies as key factors in a, quote, a world that faces economic, social, environmental, political, and developmental challenges on a scale not witnessed for decades and in which geopolitical uncertainty grows. Yet many of the prescriptions on how to achieve resilience are driven primarily by geopolitical imperatives around national security concerns. These may be narrow in their intended economic impact, as evident, for example, in speeches given by European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen on the 30th of March, 2023, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on the 20th of April, 2023, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on the 27th of April, 2023. However, their broader perception and consequences reinforce exactly the kind of geoeconomic and geopolitical fragmentation that has been repeatedly identified as one of the key risks to sustainable economic growth. Pointing out the risks of de-risking is one thing. Offering an alternative is quite another, especially when the risks of an over-reliance, for example, on Russian oil and gas, were so obvious to see once they materialized in the context of Moscow's aggression against its Ukrainian neighbor. The other lesson learned from this, especially in Europe, was that a straightforward decoupling from Russia, though slow and painful initially, was possible. The challenges of de-risking in relation to China 
are a multiple of what they are in the context of Russia, and crucially, they extend beyond trade. True resilience, therefore, needs to be conceptualized beyond supply chains, Chinese access to advanced technologies, and inward and outward investment. And this is where some of the policy recommendations from the World Bank's Global Economic Prospects and the OECD Global Economic Outlook reports come in, because they help us refocus on some of the fundamentals of sound economic policymaking that goes beyond this crisis or that, and in fact, make our economies more resilient to future crises. Reining in public spending and focusing in on both those most in need and on job creation will benefit economies because it will reduce inflationary pressures while protecting the most vulnerable in societies and open opportunities for increasing government revenue. Expanding the workforce, both by investing in skills development and by making it more gender inclusive, will have additional growth generating effects. Stimulating private investment and supplementing it as needed with public investment in the transition to a green economy is also likely not only to stimulate growth, but also to mitigate the key challenges of climate change. It may not prevent this particular crisis in the future, but it will better equip us to manage it. These domestic policies will need to be flanked with a similar refocus on the fundamentals of international economic relations. This would require strengthening the World Trade Organization, a global recommitment to the UN and its specialized agencies, such as the World Food Program, the Food and Agricultural Organization, and the World Health Organization, among others. It will also mean making a success of COP28, regardless of the misgivings one might have about its president-designate or the potential participation of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad at a time when it is all too easy and justifiable to get lost in the flurry of crises from the escalating war in Ukraine to the standoff in Kosovo and to the civil wars in Afghanistan and Sudan, and all too tempting to share in the outrage over Donald Trump and Boris Johnson, we must always look to the lessons that can be gleaned from these and recognize that these are symptoms of failing institutions and a mix of self-serving and incompetent people within them. Going back to the fundamentals of what sound and responsible policymaking used to look like will not fix all of these and other problems, but it can restore and lay the foundations not just for sustainable future economic growth, but for more security and stability in a world that might otherwise be doomed to long-term decline and not just of the economic kind. Stefan and I will be discussing this in depth on the next episode of the podcast. If there's anything you'd like us to focus on in particular, please email us and let us know, and we'll be sure to include it. You can email us via the Navigating the Vortex website. A big thanks to all our readers, listeners, followers, and subscribers. As I mentioned, we launched Navigating the Vortex two months ago, and now more than 100,000 of you get our newsletter and podcast delivered straight to you all over the world. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, give it a go. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And if you're anything like us, if something catches your fancy, you like to read the primary sources, you'll be able to read the full written version of all of our pieces, which include all the background links to the reports and information that we cite. You can register for free for all of that at navigatingthevortex.com. 
You can also subscribe for subscriber-only access to comments and chats and other special subscriber-only benefits. You can find the details in the podcast show notes as well. We hope you'll share Navigating the Vortex with anyone you think might find it of interest. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks again. Goodbye. Goodbye.